You're about to experience filling the air with words. Version 2.0, honoring Jane Shannon, who co-created this conversational podcast. She's a skull and crossbones, danger sign. Eye of the hurricane coming alive. Rose hips and black baby lips. Brother, you ain't gonna survive. She's gonna knock you flat. She's gonna hiss and pop. She'll stick you in the middle when the other pin drops. Everything goes quiet, but what's that sound? A sizzling fuse next to you on the ground. Zoom line. I am so excited. Just a mere 6,888 miles from Portland sits <laughs> Tammy Nielsen right in front of me. Wow. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello from New Zealand. <laughs> wow. And your summer down there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've, it's kind of that uh, time of year where we're just going into summer. So you get like the really hot scorching days and then the freezing cold days just so you can get a cold and, and feel, you know, like crap at Christmas time. Oh, that's always good. <laughs> that's always good. But you probably never have a white Christmas, I'm guessing, right? No. And I still, as a, I'm originally from Canada, I grew up in Canada and I still cannot, it, I've been here 15 years and I still can't wrap my head around not having a white Christmas or a cold Christmas. Like, being on the beach and having a barbecue and wearing a Santa hat, it just feels really wrong yeah. on every level. And, <laughs> and right now, you wouldn't have a chance to go back to Canada. If you, have you been able to go back during the Christmas season since you moved down there? Uh, yes, I've been, I've been um, throughout the time that I've lived here. 
Um, and then normally my mom flies here um, to escape the great white north for, you know, a month or two over the, uh, the Christmas slash summer holidays here. Because um, I have two boys, six and eight. Oh. And so they'll be, you know, in New Zealand, they combine school summer holidays with Christmas holidays. So you get your, you know, you finish kind of mid-December and go back the beginning of February. So this is kind of gearing into our big summer school holiday time. Now, I don't want to get into like talking too much about the COVID, but are they able to go to class? Because New Zealand is in pretty good shape compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. The COVID is always the elephant in the room every time uh, we we talk these days. But um, yeah, New Zealand at the moment, we had quite a severe lockdown right at the beginning. Uh, We were in lockdown for six weeks, almost two months. And, And when I say severe... We were not. We were in our homes, couldn't go five kilometers from your house, and, and um, unless you were an essential worker, which my husband was, um, and so I was home with the kids twenty four seven. And you could only the only things that were open were the grocery store and the pharmacy, and that was it. And, and you could only go, you know, just for your essentials, and then tootle back home. So it, it, while it was a very strict lockdown, it was a, in a very, it was a very f- effective one. Right. So we are fortunate enough. Obviously, we're a smaller country of five million. You know, we are an island, essentially two islands, and so we are. You know, our borders. It's much easier to kind of control what comes in and what what goes out. Um, but that said, you know, I'm at the moment we have zero community cases. So we are almost back to life as normal, as normal as things get right now, but things like on public transport, flying, you know, masks are still mandatory. Um, and they still encourage, you know, we have a a track and trace app that we scan wherever we go so that if a case does break out, they can find out you know, who might be at risk. But I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing that, you know, after eight months this year of, you know, a couple lockdowns and eliminating it from the community that I'm touring again, we're doing shows again. I just finished a three, a three show tour with an orchestra in beautiful theaters across New Zealand And it was so surreal. You know, you kind of, when you're going through this year, you're thinking, is it ever going to go back? Like you feel like you're never going to sing again. You're never going to perform again. And you completely lose your sense of identity, whether that's healthy or not. It's the truth Uh, for musicians. It's such an integral part of our identity and our makeup is performing live and connecting with audiences um, in a live atmosphere. There's just nothing like it. And so to be standing on a stage and looking out at, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people all in a confined space, clapping and singing and cheering, it was very emotional. It was overwhelming. You know, there was, um, it felt like a surreal dream. Like, I can't believe, I think we're one of the only places in the world that can do this right now. And there's so many feelings, so many layers, you know, on one hand, it's, it's relief, 
on the other, you feel like any moment it could change in a blink, you know, the like isosceles sword hanging over your head. Um, any moment it could drop. And then you also, you know, I look at my family at home back in Canada, my brother Jay, who works quite heavily with me and normally tours with me continually internationally. And you definitely have a big dose of survivor's guilt when you see your loved ones and your colleagues and your musical colleagues who are still not able, haven't performed since March. Um, and, and so that's a real thing too. I, I struggle with this balance of sharing, you know, on social media, connecting with my fans overseas and sharing what I'm doing, but also feeling keenly aware that how, you know, how would I feel if I saw someone doing shows? And, and so it's a really, it's a really tricky thing to navigate I'm feeling at the moment. And, and I get feedback both ways. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm completely jealous. And it, it's, you know, it's upsetting. There's an element of being upset that you get to perform and, and have this kind of normal quote unquote life. But then there's the other side where they're saying, but it totally gives me hope right. and I'm living vicariously through you. Like this will go away. This, this is giving me hope that this can happen again, that we will be able to re, you know, perform again and tour again. I just feel like everybody, their gratitude meter has just gone through the roof, you know, for the smallest of things. Um, we are suddenly a more grateful world you know, for every little thing we took for granted, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, doing doing a gig and connecting with someone, whether it's 20 people or 2,000 people or for some people, 200,000 people, you know, uh, those the 20 people gigs, I know people who would fill stadiums that would be grateful to sing for 20 people right now, you know. So I think that everybody's gratitude uh, meter has drastically changed for the better. Um, through all of this. I think that's a great point. One of the things that I often ask, uh, whether it's musicians or just in the general work that I do is, what is giving you hope right now? Because for a lot of people I know, and I'm sure you know a lot of people too, maybe maybe not once in New Zealand, but it it's a dark time for a lot of people, musicians especially, who can't do what you just did. Was this your first gig in, since March? This In eight months. Like I, I had, we had kind of had a little reprieve between lockdowns where we kind of thought, oh, we're out of the woods, you know? And, and I had a couple small kind of dipping my toes in the water gigs. Um, although one was not a small, t it was actually our prime minister, Jacinda Ardern's, um, launch of her campaign, which of course she won uh, as another term as our wonderful prime minister. And so I played for her, her launch. And that was, I just remember feeling so, again, surreal, but literally a week later, we were back in lockdown. Even if we're performing, there's, like I said, there's always that anxiety and that uncertainty. It could disappear any moment. And so it's like making hay while the, the sun shines and literally when I was in the middle of this tour, I had, it was a three date tour. It, it's been in my head and in my spreadsheets for a year. 
it's been rescheduled three times. Wow. And it was like every single time it was supposed to happen, there was a lockdown or something happened. And so this was the third date. And I couldn't believe that fans kind of stuck it out, um, out through three reschedulings. And um, we were in the middle of the tour. We'd done two of the dates. And I was kind of like, okay, just starting to settle in and go, okay, I can stop worrying. And the night of the, right before the big, big Auckland show, we had a scare, a community case emerged out of nowhere. They shut down the CBD, which is where the venue is. And the, I mean, the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra canceled a gig and I, and ours was supposed to be the next night. And I just thought right away, it's like, it just changes on a dime. And I just thought, if I have to reschedule a fourth time, I'm opening a McDonald's and I'm quitting music <laughs> and I'm eating all the food. Maybe that wouldn't be a very successful venture either. <laughs> More from our long distance Zoom conversation with New Zealand singer-songwriter Tammy Nielsen after this musical interlude. Your head is shaking, your mouth is Is your own? What did you do that? Oh, by yourself, girl. It's not that good, you. My need my help, girl. Without your star hitch, I'm to my wagon. Girl, you're never gonna make it. No, your ass gonna be dragging. Stay out of my business. Stay out of my business. Stay out of my business.
pleasure. I've just gotten to know the Nielsens just a little bit. They hail from Wasega Beach. They made it down to Toronto to join us this morning. They are a family who stay together because they play together. They've been performing for quite a few years. Their children, Tammy, Jay, and Todd, uh, play instruments. They sing. Mom and Dad, Ron and Betty, of course, play instruments and sing as well. They are the their mentors. Uh, they put it all together, and they are a terrific family of singers. Please welcome the Nielsens. Let me get to the Tammy Nielsen story. And one of the things that really fascinated me, found out about your family history and, and your family, the Nielsens out there traveling all over, well, all over everywhere, like yeah. a family band. Just talk to me a little bit about that experience and, and how it's shaped you, you know, to where you are today in your career. Yeah, well, I, uh, I grew up in a family band, the Nielsens. And it was uh, my parents uh, and my two younger brothers, Jay and Todd. And we toured for the better part of a decade across the States and Canada, where I'm originally from, and um, literally set out, you know, started out with, in a, a Dodge Shadow, like a little four-door sedan with a homemade wooden trailer that my dad made and pulling that behind us. And then, you know, over the decade, graduated to a, a 30-foot motorhome. And, um, yeah, we, we spent a decade touring and kind of getting those years under our belts. And, um, you know, the school of life, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything from playing the, the, the craziest gigs... Uh, you know, everything from uh, county fairs to uh, local churches, um, right up to getting to open for Johnny Cash. You know, it was it was a surreal way. You know, a lot of people say, oh, my God, what a way to grow up. And but I think however you grow up is normal to you. So it, it wasn't surreal looking back at it now as a mother with two boys i think my parents were insane or brave or probably a bit of both <laughs> but um yeah it's it is it's what made me who i am it's what shaped me and um and it, it was a very unusual way to grow up i found out after i'd grown up <laughs> so you started performing when you were how old i well i could sing before i could talk so I was already kind of performing in my dad's like solo nightclub shows, but officially we hit the road when I was about 12. 
Um, and, and years before that, for probably about three years before that, we were kind of weekend warriors. You know, we were all in school. And so um, on the weekends, we would go out and perform. It was mostly gospel in local churches as a lot of family bands start out because none of us were old enough to, you know, play clubs or anything like that. Um, and yeah, so as soon as, you know, we were kind of, uh, I was 12, um, is when we decided to make this a full time you know it was starting to kind of overcrowd the weekdays as well and so my mom homeschooled us and uh we yeah started touring for the better part of a decade you said you sang before you could talk do you remember what the first song you sang was um how much is that doggy in the window and of course abc um it was always a big, a big hit. Was that Patty Page that did How Much Is That Dog in the Window? I have no idea. I just know my version. <laughs> yeah. I hate to put you on the spot, but can you do it a little bit of it right now? Let me see if I can remember the words. <laughs> it's very complicated, lyrical. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. <laughs> That's so great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I'm, it's been a while. It's been I, a while. I tell you, I think maybe it would be time to do a cover of, of that song because, you know, obviously, you know, and this is getting <laughs> Harry to... Harry would like it. Do you see Harry behind me? He's still oh, sleeping. Harry. I have my little Charlie, Charlie behind me. I, I don't know. Oh, Mine's a miniature schnauzer. What, what's your... He's your a, a shepherdoodle. So he's he's in the, in the oodle family, and he's part German Shepherd, part God. poodle. And they're both snoozing through our Zoom doggy yeah. play date. I know, I know. <laughs> they could have just hung out. They probably would have learned a lot. Yeah, he's totally dead of the world. Uh, he usually is when I, I'm in my space where I edit and you know do radio, blah blah blah. blah you know, yeah, they just like being close. Eh? Yeah, yeah, just to be around and, and hear it. So how much is that dog in the window? I love that. I love that. I'm pretty sure it was Patty Page, and I'm going to encourage you when you start recording your next album. But for people like yeah, for people like me, I mean, you know, I'm in my 60s here, and that was a big song for me in the, I don't know, whatever, 56 or whatever. I don't want a bunny or a kitty. I don't want a parrot that talks. I don't want a bowl of little fishies. You can't take a goldfish for a walk. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggies, I do hope that doggies, I do hope that doggies for sale. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, crazy 
Tammy Nielsen's extraordinary spot-on cover of the Willie Nelson song Crazy, made famous, of course, by Patsy Cline. Our conversation, the conversation Tammy Nielsen and I had, was so fun and so interesting, and it lasted a really long time. So we're going to post a part two of this conversation in the coming days. Thanks for listening to Filling the Air with Words, and in this case, song. I'm Robert Parrish in Portland, Oregon. You've been listening to Filling the Air with Words, version 2.0. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Dedicated to the life and memory of our friend Jane Shannon. 